Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I really hope you're doing very well. Where I'm sitting right now is absolutely beautiful. The sun is shining and I cannot wait to go out and take some fresh air. I really hope you are great too. Thank you. Thank you for supporting I Am The Code. Season four is nearly finished, nearly finished. One more episode to go, but I can tell you, I don't want this episode to absolutely finish because I had wonderful people, really amazing guests who have educated me. They transformed my mind. I cannot tell you. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the fact that you are here present and giving us feedback, giving us all this information to update our podcast, buy some new microphones, write a better content. So I just want to say thank you for being here. Each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating humanity. I really do mean this. Our girls and boys are doing very well right now in South Africa, all across the world, in Kakuma Refugee Camp in Kenya as well. So thank you for being here. One of the things I've been saying is that it's very difficult to get people to come and support you when you have a vision and have a mission. It's hard for people to just adhere to it and help you. But never give up. Never give up your dreams. When you believe in something, you have to carry on and carry on. Never, ever, ever give up. Do not let anyone, anyone on this earth tell you you cannot do it. I know that I will teach one million women and girls how to code by the year 2030. I know this. I can visualize it and I know it's going to happen. No matter what people do, no matter what they say, no matter how hard they make our lives, at I Am The Code, we are going to celebrate our girls and our boys in 2030, nine years from now. I just want to say that and I want to say thank you for continuing in doing whatever you're doing and helping us. Make sure you wear your mask. The virus is still on. Things have not calmed down yet. I want you to be safe. I want to make sure that you are healthy, drinking water and looking after yourself. We've been really working very hard. This August, we're going to be sharing our courses. The girls are learning about fake news. So much misinformation going on right now in the United States, in so many places in Africa about the virus. It's really unbelievable. So we are teaching them fake news, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, big data, machine learning, you just name it. We want to make sure these young women and girls growing up across the world have access to information. Misinformation kills people. Biden said that, but this is true. It is true. When you are not informed, you take and make the wrong decisions. Absolutely. And my guest this week knows all about misinformation, people telling the wrong things. She is a marketing communication expert, a beautiful woman. Her name is Marianne Spire. She is now a social entrepreneur. She's helping companies all across the world to understand their culture. She calls herself a culture strategist. I really love that title. I met Marianne a couple of years ago when I was giving a talk, a keynote actually, at TEDx Amsterdam Women. She looked after me so well. She invited me, put me in a nice hotel, lovely breakfast, really kind person. And I think that was the first time I was able to share the I Am The Code plan, a plan to get 1 million women and girls to learn how to code by the year 2030. It was really beautiful. I gave my talk. And at the end, at a standing ovation. It was really beautiful. Marianne and I talked about her life, the fact that she's authentic, she spoke the truth. She's talked about diversity, inclusion, racism, and all the stuff that she has suffered as a woman in this industry. She really shared so many things. I hope you're going to enjoy my conversation because it's absolutely enlightening to hear from someone like her. A very tough journey, really amazing. I love listening to her and learning from her journey. Enjoy the conversation and I will see you on the other side. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. Thank you so much for joining the I Am The Good podcast again. I am so honored to have you. I want to thank you so much for joining me for the last, I would say, two months uh, or three months, actually. But we cannot close season four, especially with our team elevating humanity without inviting my beautiful friends, my sister, Someone, I can't even tell you, but I will tell you shortly why we invited her on the I Am The Code podcast. Marianne, how are you? Welcome. I'm fine. And you? I am good. I am good. Thank you so much for joining the I Am The Code podcast. Thank you for inviting me. 
No, no, it's my pleasure. Let me tell you why we invited you to come in. I think you may not know this, but I always say to people why I invited them on the podcast. And you have done two things for me. You may not know this, but we always tell people. I think the first thing you've done is, I remember I Am The Code was setting up. We started it and the story was going all across the world. But you invited me in Amsterdam. That was the first time I felt comfortable to tell my own story. As you know, where I come from, sometimes as you grow and you know yourself, so many conflicting stories and just so difficult. And, and I didn't have a coach or major person to help me. And I remember you inviting me to come for TEDx, you know, Amsterdam, which we will talk about in a minute. And that was the first day I felt I could share my story. The coaching you gave me and the team you put in front of me, the love, the empathy, the compassion, it was so beautiful. The breakfast in the morning, you put me in a lovely hotel, you really took care of me. And then I shared my story with your audience. That was the first time I think in my life I had a standing ovation. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe it's the first or the second time. And it was so amazing. And then I think from there, I really admire you as a person. And the second thing I think you've done is you're always present. You know, you always tell tell the truth and you tell your mind. You become a very good friend of mine. I know that if I'm struggling with something, I can message you and, and you know, you will help out, give me advice and connect with people. So on behalf of I Am The Code, all the girls across the world, women who are suffering, women who are not having any support, we want to say thank you so much for being who you are and thank you for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for this warm welcome and thank you so much for your kind words, Miami. No, no, absolutely. It's really beautiful. I wanted to say that to the people so they know who you are. But where are you now? Are you home? I, I know you are based in Amsterdam. Yes, but I live in The Hague. Home, I, it's a very busy week because I'm going to Suriname, my uh, home country, for six weeks. Mm -hmm. And I need to arrange so many things because of COVID. So the busyness is uh, arranging the visa and, you know, the vaccinations and all these tests and so on. So that is the busy part. And of course, I have my clients. I advise scale-ups mostly on culture. And I also advise governments how to communicate and reach out to underprivileged communities. That's really amazing. You've been working in several years in communication, in commercial operations, in higher education. How do you do this? What is the process of your work and, and how can we find your work? So I have a website. It is called IamMarianne.nl or you can also .com, but it's I-A-M-A-R-I-A-N.nl. And there's where you can read everything about me. So what I do initially, most of the time companies come to me. I don't need to reach out to them, which is a privilege, of course. And when, once a company or a city or a government has really complex communications issues within a city or within a company, they reach out to me. And then I come up with a strategy and I have a team who does the operational part or I hand it over to the team within an organization, the strategy. And those issues could be diverse. So it could be like, how do we reach out digitally to refugees? This could be for countries or how do I reach out? I have a diverse uh, organization, but the people don't feel included. How do we change the culture? And they ask me, but other questions are about female entrepreneurship. They're not able to raise funds. How, what would be the solution to do that? Or how do we, you know, which company deserves a certain amount of money? to move their, their business further. So that is one part of my, my job. And then the other thing is I'm in several boards. I'm in the board supervisory board of the Van Gogh Museum, Van Gogh Museum, we say in Dutch, Vincent Van Gogh, the famous painter. 
And I'm also in the board of a philanthropic institution, which is a funded and a foundation, which is from a wealthy family. And there is we give grants to talented young people who are active in the arts. So I do a lot. No, no, that's that's really amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I will go in details, in deep dive about your career and the things you've changed. You said you're going home for six weeks. Many things people may not know about you is where you come from and how was your childhood like? Did you go to school? Where did you get your education and this confidence? Where did all this come from? So I was born in Amsterdam, but then my parents moved back to in the 70s back to Suriname. South America, which is near Brazil, borders to Brazil. It's one of the Guyanas. So you have the French Guyana, the British Guyana, and Suriname is the Dutch Guyana. It's a former colony of the Netherlands. So there's where I was raised. I went there to primary and secondary school. My father was a deputy mayor in several of these cities, So within the country, we traveled also a lot as a family and moved from place to place. And I think there is where I learned to connect very fast with people because you constantly make new friends when you move to another city. So, but the confidence came really because of my father, because I just finished writing my book and it's not published yet, but I shared a story of, I was walking with him in Suriname. We have gardens with palm trees. We call them the palm garden, the garden of palms. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was five or six years old and my father and I would walk and I, I see him walking with like, a large umbrella in his hands and we would walk and he would say, look at the trees, look, look, look up. You have no limit. You can become whatever you want to be. Uh, and that is, that instilled, he instilled in me, he said, you have to learn to play chess. So we started playing chess together. He said, you need to expand your mind. And he would give me difficult books to read, like uh-huh. really books for adults that I would not be able to understand, but I was trying to expand my view and also teach me, you know, he would discuss everything with me, politics, life, everything. No secrets. They would always say it is important not to have secrets for your children so that they could live freely. Because if you have a secret, like a really a, a taboo or a scandal, and then somebody hits you with that, it destroys the relationship with your father or your mother. So it can destroy it. So that is, and it also can determine where you end up in life. So that was something they they always told me. The the second thing they told me was always to speak positive on people, to always have positive words, never to use curse words. So I would never, I was raised never to curse because they said you always have to bless, you know, because when you, once you bless, you cannot be cursed. So those are the things that have really, were really part of my life. So I always spoke also positive over my life and I always believed in impossibilities and like there would be challenges. And of course you're scared when you're in, in front of a huge challenge, But then because of the faith that was instilled in me and the confidence, and also they said to me, like, you look, you are a black woman. As a young child, they would say that you're black, but be proud of your, this is the proudest thing you are, you know, your blackness is something to be proud of. So my blackness, I never felt it as a hindrance. I felt a strength. Because I was raised that way. And I'm really grateful for the way I was raised. I know not everybody has their grace. But because in life, you will always have challenges. And once you have that foundation, you know, you can fight your way through this challenge. Yeah, that's really beautiful what you said. And I think what's really struck in my mind right now is families, right? When you say we can't have, we can't keep secret. But if you think about 
post-colonial Africa or even pre-colonial Africa, you know, we, we have so many secrets in my country, for example, you know, my mother's family, they're full of secret. And until now I'm 47 years old, I'm trying to find information and sometimes it's very contradictory. So what you said there is really fascinating. I think as we raise our children, it's important to be open, honest and transparent and not keep secrets. So I really love that. I really love that about what you just said. I hope you know, the boys and girls listening can take that into account. But the other thing also you said, you focus on projects, right? You you really want to have a social impact that create cultural change. You love seeing people excel. Why do you love seeing people excel? Is it because your father saw you excelling? Why do you want to do this? So in the beginning, I was not like that. I was always only thinking about making money. And then because I encountered TED, the TED conferences, and I met people with, you know, amazing ideas and people who were supporting each other, spreading those ideas, it really sparked something in me to really change my life. But when I, if I think back, then it also has to do with my parents because they were always giving to people in society. My father was deputy mayor, but he would help, especially single women, which is not You know, from our culture as black people, that is not a normal thing as a black man helping single woman. So in our culture, but I was raised that way, seeing former prostitutes, like he would help them find jobs, you know, like uh, he died when he died. There were so many women who came to me and said he was the only one that treated me with respect as a single woman or a woman with a sordid past. And while I'm, you know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, why is, oh, there's somebody in our house again. You need to take care of somebody again, you know. But now I see that I have the same attitude. I have that DNA in me, but in a different way from a business point of view, doing it via social impact and trying to create cultural change and really looking and the less fortunate in society and help them go to the next level. So that is, it came once, that is what sparked it, but it was already in me. And I didn't know that, you know, when you're young, you're so focused on yourself. You only want to, you know, make the money, buy the house, buy the car, buy the this. And then there are young people who are like from the beginning are not like that. And that is great, but I was not. So I have to be honest about that. But later on, I, I started to understand that life is not only about thinking about yourself, but also helping others. And once you start helping others unconditionally, I'm talking about not expecting something from them back. The blessing will come from a completely different person and even more than what you gave, you know? So that is what I've learned. That's really amazing. You're right. I mean, I've seen you giving. I've seen you invite people at events. I've seen you, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, you know, you invited me and gave me a platform to share my story. It's really amazing. So why do you, why do you fight social justice? Is it because you really want people to be happy and you feel this sense of duty and this sense of responsibility? It is about inequality. That is my fight that people are being treated equal in every area, not just women, but black women. The thing I heard a lady was saying, you know, she was working for a UN organization in Africa and she's an African lady. And she was sharing with us, like, if you're a woman, you're black, and you have a disability, you are like unfortunate. And I was thinking about that, like, yes, there are people who have a very difficult time, but still there is a way out. And I always want to encourage people that there is a way out. It was not easy for me. You know, I came to the Netherlands. I came here with 100 guilders because there was a revolution in our country. The money, you know, devaluated like my parents saved a lot of money, but the money was worth nothing. And they sent me here with 100 guilders. And from the 100 guilders, I had to make something of my life. And that reminded me that if that is possible for me, it can be done for others because I had no network. I had nobody who could help me out, you know, at that time with those hundred guilders. And I just 
listen to people, listen to mentors, created the tribe for myself, opened myself, build relationships, and then it started to move. But it takes time. It is not something that happens in one year. Sometimes it takes 10 years, you know, 15 years. And you have to be patient. Well, absolutely. I know you are a very patient person. I think what I like about you is your sense of self. Right? You really know who you are. And I remember talking to you a couple of months ago, and we always discussed this, you being a proud black woman. And you definitely tell everyone in that Netherlands, <laughs> because you are known there. People love you. You have a voice. But I know you are still fighting to be heard. Well, I was able to build that brand and I was building other people's brands. And then I saw that while I was building their brands, they were so ungrateful. And I was like, hey, if I can build their brand for them to become known, because I have a background in communications, I can build my own brand. So the strategy I, I applied to companies and to people to help them build their personal brand. So what I did, it was a strategic move because I was building brands of companies. I have a background in communications. And then I started building brands, people's brands, personal brands. And I was like, hey, if I can build your brand, you become so successful and well-known, but you are ungrateful, I will say farewell and build my own brand. And that's what I did. So it was very strategic. I would every year create a vision board and I think about my strategy every year. That's really amazing. Let's talk about ungratefulness a little bit, right? Let's talk about people who are not. And I think I want to also ask you your opinion about growth, right? Because you and I know it takes at least 10 years, people to build your brand, to get your message right, the tonality, everything. When it comes to communication. What we have young girls and boys listening to you right now in a refugee camp in, in Africa. They will be the next generation. They'll be the next Marianne. They will be the next Lady Mariam. How can we make sure they stay grounded? They take their time and then to build their brand. Because right now everybody's rushing on Instagram, on Facebook. Yeah. Everybody wants to be famous. Do you have any advice for these young boys and girls listening to you? Yeah, so they need to study a lot. That's what I did. So I would read and read books of successful people. So every successful person between the 90s and 2010, I know. I read all of their books. I read what, how they applied it. And I was never rushing. I must say I was always thinking like, well, my time will come, but I have a strategy. And I would visualize my strategy. I would build relationships with people. I would talk to them. I would sometimes even harass and ask for a cup of coffee to meet up with them. And one manager told me once, like, you know, you are a smart girl, but a woman, but what really helps you is your attitude. And he said, why? One, you are nice, which is important because people want to work with nice people. And second, I can count on you. If I ask you something, you will do it. And you are reliable, basically. Yes, I'm reliable. So to be nice and to be reliable are the most important thing. And you have to be consistent in that and not just be nice and reliable to rich people, but to every person you know and in common contact with. There have been people who are like, not didn't have amazing resumes, but they opened amazing doors for me. Because they said, you were the one who opened the door for me. And I totally forgot about that, you know. Sometimes I would receive an email from somebody that they said, nine years ago, you said this and this to me. So that is, it should be part of your DNA. You have to be open and willing to learn, you know, willing to receive feedback. But still, you need to know what you want. And that is why strategy is so important. And when I'm talking about strategy, you don't have to start writing a business plan, but start visualizing where you want to go in life. So if you want to become 
like the best programmer or coder in the world, start thinking about that. You know, I was sitting the 10 years old with an encyclopedia in a country ravaged by a revolution. And I was saying, I'm going to travel the world. And everybody thought I was crazy because we were standing in line for onions and oil and bread because there were no onions, there was no oil and there was no bread. So even if you're in a refugee camp, never stop dreaming. I never stop dreaming and that will help you because even in times of success, you will have difficult times Mm -hmm. and then the dream will keep you moving. When there is a, like your investor said no, or your best team member leaves, you will hold on to that dream and say, no, I know that I know that I know that I will make it. That dream starts in a country that is ravaged by revolution. That dream starts in a small apartment in London. That dream can start anywhere you are. Wow. That is so amazing. I mean, I love what you're talking about, resilience and dreaming, because these girls right now, they're listening to you. They're in a refugee camp and they don't know where they're going to end up. And I really hope that the message you just gave them will fire them up. But let me also tell you about the stories. How do you think, you know, you're a communication expert. People know what you do in this. How do you think they will tell their difficult stories? I mean, you know, you know, you know how to tell your story in a dignified way. That's what I like about you. Right. So and you know how to tell our story because I don't have the life you had. But you always telling the stories of people like us who've been really had it tough in, in life. What do you think? What is the strategy they need to take to really understand how to tell their stories better for the world to know? So first they have to start writing it down because a lot of times people want to share this story and they start talking and then it has no good beginning or not a good end or the in-between, you know? So that is the part of a good start telling a story. So start writing your stories down and then read it again. Like, okay, what do I want to achieve with my story? Do I want to, for instance, if you're in a camp and you want to study, do I want to get a scholarship? You know, that could be a thing if you're in a refugee camp or you have invented something and you want a a grant for it. Your story can make it happen. And sometimes we think the story, our story is so small. My story is small. A girl who lived in a South American, it's not a big story, but the story I'm sharing is I came with 100 guilders. So that is like people will start listening. Hey, okay, but how did she do it? And then I will start telling about how I was visualizing and how I was strategizing. And while I was doing that, I was always right down. I had books and books full of writing down. And it could be like a, a, a simple, you know, booklet. You can start writing down your story, writing down your thoughts, writing down your plans. And then you start sharing your story, you know, if for the ones who want to listen to your story. But you have to start small. It's so interesting what you just said about the story. I remember not knowing how to write my story because so many information that I didn't know how to put them together because it was too late to write the story, right? So when you're telling them to write their stories, do you mean you want them to start writing the pain, the difficulty, or just write what they want to become? The pain and the difficulty will be there. I don't say that you have to bury it, but my advice would be is start writing your dreams and your plans. And some people will say it's like an escape. No, it's not an escape because you have to think about what you want to become. It is all about forgetting the past, not burying it, but forgetting it and stretching out towards where you want to go. Mm. And that is what you can do by writing is stretching towards. And also when you start visualizing where you want to go, mm-hmm. you also become very creative. Okay. Like for instance, I was 10, I was reading this encyclopedias and I was looking at those countries and I said, I will go to this country <laughs> and I will go to this country. And while the pandemic hit, I started counting because I had time, 
how many countries I visited. And then I saw I visited 44 countries. The girl of 10 years old never in a million thought that she would go to 44 countries. I thought maybe five, but not 44. But while I was stretching out and visualizing and dreaming of where, Mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, people don't like dreamers. They want to steal our dream. Do not let anybody steal your dream and do not share your dream with everybody. That is also very important. Write it down for yourself and start creating a strategy Like, how will I become what I want to become? And it takes time. So don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen after one year or two years or three years. But it will happen if you stretch out. That is a lesson for me, too. It's unbelievable. Our team this season is elevating humanity. And I know you have elevated humanity in your own way by organizing big events. But at the same time, I think helping people. What is the one thing you've learned in helping people in elevating humanity? And what is the contribution we should make to humankind right now? Because we've been, we're all struggling. We're all going through difficulty. You're going to be traveling to a country that... People are struggling out there. But what is the contribution we need to make to humankind? So I always say if you can start small, I was working with, I was organizing an event in Amsterdam for women who live from three euro a day. This is in a developed country. This is a Western country and women are living from three euro a day. That is nothing. But you know what one of the ladies said? Even from that three euro, I can put, 10 cents aside to help somebody else. And that is the thing, you know, sometimes we think I'm in a refugee camp or, you know, I am there. I cannot elevate humanity. You can in any way. It it could be that you create something or you make something or you give somebody a flower to, or you help an elderly woman out or a man, you know? So there are many ways you can start small and you can do it big as what I did with events and giving women a platform to speak and address certain topics. But that attitude doesn't start with the events. It starts when you help the elderly lady. You know, I had refugees in my home. I took them in, you know, a lady from the street. She had nowhere to go. I was crazy at that time. I think it was, it was 15 years, no, even 20 years ago. So it was a different time. And she said, I have nowhere to go. I said, you can stay in my house. So it starts there 20 years ago, helping a refugee woman out who had no place to go, and now giving a platform to thousands and thousands of women. So it starts with small things. That's really beautiful. So let me talk about your platform before I ask you a couple of more questions. You know, sure. the, you know, as you grow, as you understand yourself and you create your brand for yourself and for the world to really hear you out because I think you have so much to say and so much to teach. What are you working on right now? I know there is something you're working on to mentor women and to close the gender gap, all of that. Do you mind sharing that with the girls and the boys listening? Sure. So now we we are busy with a platform called fem-start.com. And that is a platform. We have two platforms. We have a mentoring platform where we help women whose companies are affected by the COVID crisis and we help them to go to the next level. We are we have been busy for a year and now we've helped 100 women who were affected by the COVID uh, crisis. So that is one thing we do. That is, we have 40 mentors and those mentors help. And the issues could be about finance, but also mental health, marketing, design, every part of a business. So that is one thing we do. And now we just finished our first module of our platform, which is an online learning platform to bridge the gap in funding for female entrepreneurs. And it will be done in, I think, November. Now we're building that and it is a video platform. And I think this it will be a revolutionary product globally because there is not one platform focused on how to raise funding for female entrepreneurs. 
And we know that worldwide, we have 252 million female entrepreneurs and only 3% of these women raise funding. So there is like 97% of these women that need help with that. And we think that we will be one of those platforms that will help the women raise funding for their business. That's really fascinating. And I saw you helping women of different colors, everybody, right? Yes. So we have a lady who is even mentored from, she lives in Senegal. So we have her that is so funny and from all over the world and all ethnicities, we have women. Yes. That's really amazing. Thank you for all the work you do for, uh, for women. I also saw that you sit on boards and you advise them. Do you feel that your voice is being heard as a black woman sitting in these boards? Yes. So a lot of people are talking about taking a seat at the table, but that is not enough. You have to take up space. So you have to be there with a purpose when you're in a board. So my purpose is that there will be access for people that don't have the access to certain platforms. So for instance, at the Van Gogh Museum, my focus as a board member is advising the director how to give people from certain communities more access to the museum. You Mm -hmm. know, that is one of my roles. I also advise on communications. And with the philanthropic organization, I also say to the family, like, you know, these communities, you know, you can give the money to rich people and they are already rich, or you could give the money to talent that don't have the access to this money. Wow. And the important thing is that you you should not be scared when you're taking up space. It is not an easy space, but you should not be scared. And I always say, I will not sit in a board as a token, as a token black woman for the diversity box checked. If I sit there, like I really need to create impact. That's the title of my book also, Impact. <laughs> wow, I love the book. Can we talk about the book a little bit? But it is in Dutch, unfortunately. I know, but I'm Maybe hoping that we can have it, it yeah, in translate <laughs> in English. Yeah. So why did you decide to write the book? So 15 years ago, I was asked by a publisher to write a book. Then 10 years ago, then five years ago. And I was always like, I don't have time to write a book and I don't know what to write about. So two years ago, I met a female publisher and she said, I think you should write a book. And she is like one of the most influential female publishers in the Netherlands. Well, it is known that she's the best. I felt like really honored. I'm like, oh my God, you think that I should write a book? Okay, then I should really write a book, but I don't know how to start. So we sat down and we came up with a plan. And then I felt really assured, like if she believes in me, then there should be something in me. And that's how I started. It, it, it was not the idea she had. Her focus was more on female leadership, but I said, no, there's more than that. I think it is all about impact. It is how do you influence others and what kind of leadership do you need to influence others to create change? You are so right about that. I'm writing my book and it's really difficult to write because I have to go back to my story and and everything. But you have so much to tell to the world, you know, from where you started to where you are here. So definitely looking forward to reading the book. But let me ask you, what are you grateful for? I can see you are growing. I can see you trying to really position yourself in the world. What are you grateful for? And what do you say to yourself every morning? I'm grateful for my health. My father died very young. My brother died very young. So that makes you think about life, mortality. You think completely different because that is trauma. So you think completely different. They died. My father died in 30 minutes. My brother died in three days. So you have a completely different relationship with life. You're so grateful to be alive. So every day I'm grateful that I'm alive, just alive. I'm grateful that I have peace, you know, because if you don't have peace and you don't have your health, you cannot do anything. 
You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the inner peace or you're not healthy, it is very difficult. So that is what I'm really grateful for. All the other things, they're nice to have, but that for me is the most important thing. I do agree with that. I had a health issue a couple of years ago, but now I don't even joke with my health. My mother died as well, but I don't even play with that. But let me ask you a few more questions. You talk about when you were young and holding that encyclopedia and dreaming to be where you are today. If you have any advice for the youngest Marianne, what would that be? And can you share that with us so we know? Yes, don't worry, because I was always worrying that because I'm a dreamer. And if you have big dreams, there's so many people who want to steal your dream when you're a dreamer. So that is part of being a dreamer. So for all the dreamers, a lot of you will be discouraged a lot. So that makes you worry because you're like, oh, my dream, it will not happen, you know, because this happened or, you know, you constantly worry. And now I don't have that anymore. I know that I know. But at that time, as young Marianne, I would like, I would dream. And you could see people look at me like, oh, there she goes, the dreamer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And especially for the girls in the camps, Mm -hmm. you know, keep on dreaming big dreams and do not let anybody abort or steal your dream. No, that's so beautiful. You know, at I Am The Code, we teach young women and girls how to code. And and as you know, you're giving us a platform in Amsterdam. We want to make sure young women and girls get uh, the skills they need to join the global workforce. What are the skills that the girls should really learn from today and all of our listeners who can really benefit from your wisdom? What are the two skills you have that everyone you think should have? So two skills you need besides coding is finance because once you start making money, you need to know where the money goes. You need to know, it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you have an accountant or a bookkeeper, or if you don't have it, you need to know how the money flows. So that is one thing. If educate yourself on finance, you have a lot of free courses. Coursera has a lot of free courses. So finance is this. The second skill is communications, and that is learning how to communicate, learn about business etiquette. Like, how do you send an email? How do you talk on the phone? How do you approach somebody? If somebody does something for you, buy a gift. And it doesn't have to be like expensive. It could be something, it could be a card. Give a thank you note. If you don't have the money, the soft skills are very important Mm -hmm. and I call them communications and that is very broad, but Mm -hmm. communications and finance are the two things you need to know. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, I've put that on the note for next time for the girls. And do you feel content? Do you feel happy? Do you feel that you are content? I, I feel when I talk to you, I feel that you are wiser and getting wiser and wiser. You're always wise anyway. I love listening to you talk, but do you feel content? Well, I'm 51 and I must say... Well, you don't look like 51, really. No, no, I don't, but I am. Oh my gosh. And a lot of people... Thank you. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people, they dread it, but I really love it because it is an age. You don't worry about things anymore because you're like, I've been through that, you know, I, you know, so it is, yeah, you become more content with life, more focused. You, you're not so restless anymore. That is, I think it has to do with age and experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you see through things more, you could analyze, you could discern things much better. You listen more to your core before you, your core is screaming at you and you don't listen. But now if it's a soft, still voice, you immediately listen like, hey, I should not go that way, you know, or I should not work with that person. And that is, yeah, that really helps. And just last question, the thing you always talk about on your LinkedIn, on all of your social media is being yourself. You always talk about that. How can we advise women listening to you in Africa, girls all across the world? How do you maintain your power, but also be honest and authentic? That What I love about you is that you just like, you do that. You're just being yourself. How do we do that? Do you have any tips for the girls? 
Yeah. So I know that young people don't do that, but reflect on your own behavior. Think about what you've done. And if you don't have the time, take that time in the weekend. And it's like, okay. And that is why I said, write down. Like if something went wrong, why did it, why did it go wrong? Why, what did I do that this thing went wrong? So that you can repair it for yourself. That really helps to get to know yourself because a lot of people don't know themselves. And and it is so important to get to know yourself, who you are as a person. And the only way to do that is to write the things down, write your successes, write your failures, and go back and said, okay, this was a success, but how did I became? How did it work? Go through that process and start discovering what makes you successful or what makes you fail in certain areas in your life. And once you start learning more about yourself, it will be 80% successes and the failures will be all new things. And then you go through that process again. You said, hey, why did this fail? Okay. This is something new about myself I didn't know. I had to be more patient or, you know, I needed to change this. Or I had to send a thank you note. I forgot to send a thank you note. You know, those things. I just want to ask you, you know, you talk about purpose. You know, how do you find your purpose? So many young people, boys and girls and and women, actually, you know, I really hope that this podcast will be listened to by women growing up. How did you find your own purpose? I know that you build yourself and you're constantly learning and developing yourself. Where did you, how did you find your purpose, your calling? I discovered it. It is so strange because while I was working, I discovered my purpose. And that is why I always advise young women, don't give up. A lot of young women say, I don't know what I want to become. I said, I didn't know either. So don't worry about that. Mm. Work on it. And while you're busy, you will discover your purpose and it will become clearer. One way to do that is to strategize. Create your vision board. What is your vision? It is a biblical scripture, but it says, write the vision and make it clear. So you you just, if you don't have a laptop, you can look for magazines or newspaper, cut things out of it and start, you know, making a board and say, okay, this is what I want to become. I There's a beautiful story about a refugee girl. I know her. She's a young mm-hmm. lady now. Michaela the Prince. And Michaela, they called her the devil child because she had fertiligo. That is the disease where you have the white, white and black skin, you know? And but she had a picture of a ballerina. And why they killed her? She was in, in Liberia. Well, they killed the teacher and almost said, and they cut her belly open. You can even see the scar now she still believed that she will become a ballerina. And now she's a famous ballerina dancing with Beyonce and all over the world. And she was the devil child. So the children in the refugee camp didn't like they had little food and the rest she would eat because they didn't want to know her eyebrows were white and she had gray hairs. And that encourages me Of course, she's still going through trauma. She has her issues, but she was dreaming. She had a picture of that ballerina. And you know that after 20 years, she met the ballerina was already retired. That little girl who was living in a refugee camp, her belly was cut open. She became a famous ballerina. And that is what I want to share with the girls. Never stop dreaming. I will go back to the beginning and I tell you why we invited you to the I Am The Code podcast. As I said, we invite you to the I Am The Code podcast because you did two things for me. The first thing, as I said, I didn't know how to tell my story. I didn't have anyone give me a platform. And I remember you inviting me to a place. Really that time, it was so beautiful. You invited me to a hotel, gave me food, you honored me, you looked after me. So that's why we invite you on the podcast. And the second thing you did, I think, is you just being yourself, being authentic. And for me, I know you for a very long time now. I've seen you and I respect people who have grown. And the reason why I ask you about the content piece, because I can see you growing, knowing yourself, loving yourself. 
And one of the things I say to the girls all the time, if you don't have it, you can't give it. Now I feel that you are so in abundance that you can give people, you can love people, you can care for them, you can open their minds, you can help government, you can help businesses. So for that, on behalf of I Am The Code, the girls and, and us women, your peers being next to you, seeing you grow, and, and we are also growing. Thank you for your service. Thank you for helping us. And Marianne Spear, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Marianne. We had a great time. That was really a beautiful conversation. I love the fact that she was absolutely strong, passionate young girl looking at the encyclopedia. That's really a fascinating story. It's a beautiful story. You know, when I think about girls' education, I've sat in so many Zoom calls recently talking about girls' education all across the world, but it is really fascinating. I don't think people care about girls' education because I sat in these Zoom calls. It's absolutely a green watch. Fascinating. Nothing is happening. Everyone is talking about girls' education, but there's no funding. The money is not available and no one is giving it away. So I just say, you know what, just give us the money so we can do the program. So I've definitely learned this week is that people just talk and talk and talk. No action is taken. Education, in my opinion, is absolutely a green wash. You've been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here. We do need your support and really your kindness, your love, your generosity. Thank you for being part of season four, for coming in, for giving us your love and being here, being present. It means a lot to us. If you like this content you just listen to right now, please subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. We count on you and we count on your generosity. We're a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating amazing content like this so the people who are marginalized don't have access to it can absolutely now have access and listen to it. Please donate to I Am The Code. Each time you support I Am The Code and donate, we do give back this money to the girls. We buy them computers, they get access to connectivity, we buy them routers, masks, you name it. So don't hesitate to donate to I Am The Code. We need your help. Thank you so much for being here. Don't hesitate to elevate humanity, whatever you are doing this August. You may relax a little bit. But never forget where we've been to. It's been a really tough journey for so many people globally. So let's start having compassion and kindness and think about the people we have lost globally. So I want to thank you so much. Next week is season four finale. Oh my goodness, it's going to be the finale next week. I cannot wait to tell you who is going to be the last person for season four. I am so excited. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely Friday. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the sun because I am going to be enjoying the sun today. Thank you and goodbye.